You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. This show contains information about injuries to riders competing in AMA Supercross, AMA Motocross, MXGP, Ozpro MX, and other international moto events. The information discussed may be unsettling to some listeners. It might be incomplete or based on medical opinions due to riders tending to hide the details of their injuries. We are here to explain the information and increase injury understanding and visibility for the fans. There might be coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If any of this offends you, turn us off right now. Fans, I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist, and this is episode 44 of the Always Moto podcast. As always, I am your host, David Hogan, the physiotherapist from Australia, currently sporting my own physio gear. Uh, I am in a sling post surgery and will be, unfortunately, for the next six weeks. I did have my hip done a few weeks ago, and I'm now in a sling. Yes, that's right. Lucky things of having a big crash uh, seven or so months ago now. It's still lingering. But anyway, I'm a physio, I'll figure it out. We will be joined on the show by the Always Moto contractor, and yes, he's still looking for that paycheck in the mail. This is the Always Moto podcast. We are in the depths of the clinic throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick. As always on the show, we'll be going through all things moto, particularly the injuries in our sport, because hashtag injuries are a part of moto, and they just keep coming and coming and coming from the AMA Supercross or Super Motocross series so far with more news this week uh, of a pre-season for the East Coast guys. It's Seth Hammock has al- already got himself another injury and will be miss- missing another lot of Supercross races, which is very unfortunate for him, and we'll talk more about that later on. This week on the show, we'll be talking Super Motocross and Anaheim 2. That is a triple crown this week. So Always Moto Fantasy will be very interesting. Uh, so that Always Moto Fantasy League, you should be looking at those riders after they've qualified. You'll know who's in the mains, uh, so you'll know who to pick from. So make sure you check those right before the cutoff later in that uh, or the lockout time there. We'll be talking the Super Motocross Emergency Department with the update heading into Anaheim 2. But as always, bringing you the show today is Polar Australia. Polar Australia and their incredible range of activity tracking and heart rate monitors from the H10 chest strap and their top-of-the-line GPS multi-sport watch, the Polar Grit X Pro. Jump on the show notes below, get onto that link for their website and do some shopping, guys and girls. It's well worth having a Polar Australia product. Also, big thanks to Slantboard Guy. Don't forget we have an affiliate deal in place, and I know you guys have been clicking on that. I've been checking that this week. There has been many, many orders placed through that uh, affiliate deal and the link that we have in the show notes, and I thank you for that, guys. We're getting a little bit of cash from that, uh, which is fantastic for the show here. 
So please, if you need a slant board, please use the code below. They're giving us a 10% discount for Always Moto podcast listeners. So if you want to get your squats on point in the gym, improve your standing technique on the bike with stronger legs, this simple piece of equipment is for you. Remember that code is Always Moto in lowercase at checkout and the link is in the show notes below. And just a reminder that just for the last few days here of January, they've got 15% off um, instead of the 10. So they've got a little additional discount. So now's the time to get one if you want one. As always, we still need some direct support for the show. We have our merchandise available, which is our Always Moto t-shirts, and they are available now, $25 plus postage and handling. We do have international drop ships, so get in touch for our international listeners. They are black t-shirts with the Always Moto logo front and center. Show your support and rock your t-shirt, the Always Moto t-shirt at the next race that you're at. Email us at alwaysmoto2019 at gmail.com. Put t-shirt order in the subject line. Send us the size of the shirt and we'll be in touch regarding payment via PayPal. If you want to show your show support directly and you're not interested in a t-shirt, that's fine. You can do a donation on the Always Moto PayPal account. Check out the show links below uh, and you'll find our donation donate on PayPal and send us some cash. It'll help us get to the events to provide you with more in-depth content. All right, enough intro talk. Let's jump into the show with the Always Moto contractor joining us as well. This is Derek Kelly and you're listening to the Always Moto podcast. All right, let's talk Super Motocross in San Diego that was last week and let's look ahead to the next round at Anaheim 2, which is a Triple Crown. Benny, how did you find San Diego round, mate? How did it go for you in fantasy and stuff? It was uh, a bit rough, I believe. Yeah, it was a bit rough. I could have, should have picked smarter, but I didn't. So <laughs> we'll... Uh... <laughs> We lost this week. We'll get, you beat me. Well, yeah, we did. We but, did. We'll get, right. we'll get to the scores later. I just wanted to have a little opening dig, you know, seeing as I got the – we're now 1-1, so, you know, we can keep the totals going. But I'm at, what is it in that Rocky Mountain one that, that's crap? I'm, I'm, you're, too zip, you're too zip on me, aren't you? So. Yeah, yeah, too zip in that one. So yeah, it's not all bad. Well, yeah, but I, I don't really care about that one. I don't really care about the, the, uh, the, the Always Moto Fantasy League. So anyway, we'll move on. But the round was pretty interesting. Um, fair bit happened and the track was reasonable, I think, um, considering talk of rain and stuff. It actually looked – the track looked really good to me. Um, the edges, not so much, where the, the spectators uh, – not the spectators, the, um, the track crew and the, uh, the photographers got to walk around in the slop, but the actual racetrack itself looked pretty good to me. Yeah, no, the track was good, but yes, yeah, softer side was definitely just slop. Um, so we're lucky that we didn't uh, have a track like that. But yeah, the track crew did a good job, and yeah, it was perfect track. Now, we're going to touch on it, but uh, Maximus Voland, uh, interesting round for Maximus. Um, two crashes on in the heat race one off the start of the actual start one off the restart of a staggered start he managed to get himself in a real awkward position and just go flipping over the bars and then the lcq looking like he's going to make it and decides to take out a medic yes do we know how the medic is i, I don't know i don't i try i did actually try to find that one out which is was almost it's almost impossible it seems so i'm sure somebody's found out about it somewhere but um no, don't know, but my first look at him taking that, I think it was like a front tyre or something to the head. I wouldn't be surprised he uh, got a bit of a concussion there, that one, even though he's wearing the Alpine Star helmet there. I don't think that did too much for him when there's a, you know, 250 flying at you. Yeah, no, it was looked 
looked like a, a decent hit, but yeah, he was loose all night, um, especially at that restart. Uh, way too much break, but way too fast for how, you know, you're on a staggered start, everyone's going into that corner in a line. You should have been a bit more aware. But Why was um, he yeah. inside of the guy in front of him when the guy in front of him is going to turn tight? And he's trying to go inside that when there's a berm there that you're trying to, like an inside, the outside of the berm there that he can't get any further in. He had nowhere to go. Yeah, I've got no idea. Um, <laughs> he probably could have gone a little, a little bit wider, but I think he just overjudged it and just that was it. Way too much front break and over the bars. Yeah, I think the front too, too much front break was because you could see the bike in front of him closing him off and he had nowhere to go, so... It was hit the bike in front or grab the front brake, and he chose front brake. And yeah, Indonesia here, he, there he went. So <laughs> that's right. Very, very fast over the bars. Like that happened super quick, eh? When they showed that head on replay of it, he just disappeared downwards. So yeah, not good. Anyway, it's been an interesting year, like interesting couple of years for him with Supercross. It's not gone to plan so far. We'll have to see. I wonder if he got a bit, you know, antsy because he actually got a decent result the first round. He thought he could just, you know, got a bit over the top with everything and, you know, heart rate and everything spiked with nerves on, on those runs and he just couldn't couldn't control himself. I, I wonder how he's going to be at a Triple Crown this week. Yeah, well, the, yeah, the last few years hasn't been ideal, um, but he was thrown in the deep end, so maybe get away with it a little bit. But, yeah, year three now... Um, needs to be making mains, not not missing them. And, um, yeah, he missed the Triple Crown last year, I think it was. Uh, didn't qualify for that, even though he'd just come off injury and that was the first race back. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, we'll have to see what he does. But I, I, I dare say they're going to be talking to him to make sure he gets a couple of good laps in in uh, qualifying early on uh, Saturday morning their time for the event so that he's... Uh, Definitely in that uh, top 18 to make it straight through to the uh, thing. It doesn't have to go to the LCQ because the LCQ does not seem like a friendly place for Maximus Voland. <laughs> no, it's not. And, uh, yeah, he learned that the hard way. Yeah. Uh, he looked good and he was quick, but just, I don't know. I really don't know what happened. But, yeah, him and the medic were both on the ground. So Yeah, well, hopefully the medic's okay. But, um, yeah, anyway, we'll see what he does. We'll see what Maximus does at uh, round... Well, round four, according to the sheets, it'll be round three, people. Um, Mookie, man, what is Mookie doing? Two races, two big crashes. Bike's been trashed in both of them pretty much. Not too many, uh, plenty of spare parts being used there at Husky uh, over the first two weeks for Mookie. But um, wonder if you'll uh, chill it out a bit and get things together for this weekend or not. It's been a bit of a rough and tumble two weeks for, for Mookie at the races so far. Yeah, well, heat race Mookie was unbelievable. That Just was really good. Way, that was fantastic. Yeah, it came from way back and won the heat. And so you think, you know, he's going to have a good night and then that was it. It was <laughs> one crash, then another crash. He had no front fender, no front plate left on the bike. And I think then just rolled around and finished 15th, I think it was. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's disappointing. Um, but hopefully this week, yeah, he chills it out a bit. Yeah, it's been super, super rough in the mains. Like that heat rate was fa- heat race was fantastic, but 
Yeah, the, he he crashed he crashed early, didn't he? In the in the main, and that sort of put him back. And then he had another big one, so just kept getting worse and worse for him. But we'll have to see. I, I'm quite surprised with those two big crashes that he hasn't done something more significant to himself in terms of an injury. He's been he's gotten away with them so far, which has been good for him. But uh, it'll be interesting to see when he does these um, heat races. Uh, or, or basically heat race length for these triple crowns if he actually has a better outcome from them or not. Hopefully he can just stay on and he doesn't get that same fatigue point because the, the crashes have come mid to end of the it, mid to end of the main so far. So it's um you know it's it's been an interesting interesting time for him. And uh and Chase Sexton also in in the heat races there um, with AP absolutely pancaking a very high-priced aluminium HRC fuel tank, I'd say it was. It wouldn't be a cheap piece of that item, uh, but it was trashed as well. Yes, it was, like you said, it was pancaked, and uh, that, I think that's the first time I've ever seen that happen. Um, but, yeah, that was it, straight to the LCQ for him because it just completely wrecked the tank. Um, but I'm, I think he's very lucky that he got away with nothing injured, there if that was me landing on my leg that would have been it <laughs> or oh. someone like Faulkner or someone it would have just something would have happened so he's very lucky yeah I said I think somebody commented on that during the week about how didn't he not do like not tear his knee in half or something but if you look and same with his face when he hits there like the handlebar hits the chin bar of the helmet not the actual not his face so it it looked worse than it was because the helmet was getting twisted around from that movement, not so much his head or his neck. So he got away with that, luckily, too. He could have ended up with the with the handlebar between you know his chin and the chin bar, and that would have been horrible. But he got away with that all right. And then the knee itself, he it, it was already sort of slow into that point. Yes, he could have done some damage. He might have bruised internally, but... He wasn't in a super gnarly position where his foot was jammed and caught and pulling the leg the other way, which is where most of those, like Faulkner's ACL at the start of the season there, his foot dabbed and was reefed behind him. So he got all that load from a lower point to act, you know, increase the fulcrum point to pop the ligament, whereas Chase is being bent. And he was decelerating at that point because the bike had already hit the ground and then he hit the ground. So it wasn't like he was the first impact point to slow down. So I don't. It wasn't that bad in my eyes. Everybody was like, "Oh, how did he not fly to pieces?" Well, that's my opinion on it. It was already starting to slow down, and he got lucky on a couple aspects. So it didn't actually take all the load through it. So, yeah, not as not as bad in my eyes as some of the other ones that have happened. Yeah, well, we don't, we don't want him injured, so it's it's a good thing that he didn't get injured because he'll be one of the contenders. So we need him healthy and upfront. Everybody's been saying that that he's one of the contenders, and yes, he's he got third at the opening round, and yes, he had a bit of a rough round this round. But I don't know. I don't know if he's quite got the consistent pace to run with Tomac just yet. Like Tomac is killing it, to be honest with everybody. Tomac's just disappearing out the front quite easily, and it seems to be just something he can do at will at the moment. And he's not even hampered by bad starts anymore. It seems. Yeah, and we talked, we touched on that. I think last week, new bike and um, or just the Yamaha in general. His starts have been completely different. But uh, heading into a Triple Crown too, where he just dominates, um, the competitors should be 
should be worried, I think, because he's just on another level at the moment. And the Cooper Webb is the only person to, you know, like he's finished second behind him. Um, but even then, he doesn't even get close to him. So, yeah, this weekend will be interesting. It will be. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. At least with the Triple Crown, you know, there's a chance that Tomac might have one bad start or something and not potentially win it. But, um, yeah, we'll have to see what they, they all do, whether they attack it differently or if Bush, if um, if Tomac just comes out on top again. Um, that seems to be what's going to happen and from, from so far, especially with the history of these Triple Crowns too. Tomac's done really well at these things. So they uh, they're going to have to try something to get him... Uh, off his game at Anaheim too. Anderson and Barsha. How was that tweet from Anderson partway through the night after taking him out in the heat race? That was pretty funny. It's uh, it's interesting. Last year, I think they've said on the broadcast, he lost 45 points in so many rounds doing silly things like that. And as they say, when you poke the Barsha, you always end up on the bad side of it. So, yeah, not a smart thing to do. It wasn't that bad, though, um, considering Barsha took Sexton out on the same corner. Well, you know how when we talked championship picks the other week and I said, oh, but I've got a little side note about, oh, Anderson, Anderson's also interesting to me. Well, he's not anymore. He's he's ruled himself out. (laughs) Two rounds. He's had two two odd rounds. Uh, he he ain't making that up already. He's already like thirty odd down or something. I think it was. He's he's not in a good position. Yeah, and it's again, you know, uh, that was like I said, it wasn't that bad. But yeah, when you then have to line up in the race and go against Barsha, if you like end up near him. Um, yeah, it's not worth it. He was third with Barsha behind him in the race and then he made the mistake and Barsha, Barsha just would have rode past and laughed. So, um, yeah, what do you do? <laughs> well, and then obviously that, that the bit that's quite funny for me was the after effects when and Barsha didn't even seem to know anything about this tweet because obviously he was focused on the race and not looking at his phone during the night. And they, they bring it up to him in the press conference and then, you know, he does no absolutely no idea what it's about. And but Tomac's there giggling and, and and Webb's got this awesome look on his face too that says, Well, that's kind of expected with this guy, isn't it? So it was it's quite comical watching that bit of the uh, press conference for me. Yeah, that no, was funny and you know, like he was he was learning that in just at the same time, um, the press conference was going on. He had no idea. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think Anderson had probably deleted it by then, I reckon, because uh, he did delete the tweet. So, Barsha probably didn't even ever see it even after the press conference. So, yeah, he would have only learned from the question that was asked. Yeah, exactly. So, I have to, uh, have to keep an eye on those two for the next few rounds, maybe even for the rest of the season to see if there's uh, – a little bit more spice thrown into the air about how these two uh, attack each other mid-race. <laughs> Could be interesting. Could be rather interesting. Let's move on to Anaheim 2 and obviously the Triple Crown that's going on. I had a quick look read in preparation for Fantasy League in a sec here at the track. The track map itself, to me, looks 
pretty wild. They've they're crossing the start straight four times. The finish line double is over the start straight, and it, the way this looks, it looks like it's going to be quite the distance of a finish line jump. Uh, and they've also got a section that they're using between a, between a couple of the rhythms that's just for the start section. So it could be quite the long track time. Yeah, I think it will be. And, uh, yeah, when it comes to picking that FFL, if anyone does, uh, it's a long lap. But uh, it's an interesting track. And, yeah, like you said, that that start jump, start finish line jump is massive, I'm just looking at the picture. So we'll see uh, see how big it is once it's built. Be, be interesting to see if they comment on that on, on, you know, Race Day Live or in the coverage to say that, yes, it is actually – you know, 70 feet, 80 feet, whatever it ends up being. And, and if it's bigger than like even just the standard Supercross triple, because on this, on this, you know, track map with the, with the start being there, you would think that that's going to be quite, quite wide across there. So yeah, it could be, a, could be a decent jump. Yeah. And um, yeah, if anyone ends up having to roll that start line jump for any reason, that's going to cost them a heap of time oh, yeah. in the race. Could be a big one. So yeah. Anyway, we'll have to have to keep an eye on that. But this track looks busy as there's, yeah, what there's a short whoop section, a long whoop section, some really long rhythm lanes, uh, and a sand section around the cor- around the corner. So yeah, look, it could be good. And after that sand section, I actually like that little across the start start line there, right in front of it. There's a there's a nice big straight after that sand section into a bowl turn, which would probably give. A nice couple of block pass opportunities for that corner if you can sneak up the inside of somebody there. So it could be, could be some interesting passes in that corner. Yeah, well, the sand corner too. Uh, usually you get a fair few lines through there, so someone can go inside, someone can go outside, and then yeah, straight into that bowl turn. Um, it's gonna. Is there a little jump after that bowl turn too? Can I just see after the bowl turn? There's a little get... little jump to go across yeah. the start straight again. So it's um yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be busy in that section there. Like I think they're gonna have plenty of space to to try and attack each other. And then, like even that little jump across the start straight, they got a little double into another massive bowl turn before the finish line. So it could be takeout city through those two two bowl turns there. Yeah, hopefully hopefully we get some good racing. I think. Uh, just looking at it, hopefully there's heaps of different combinations that they come up with, and it's yeah, it, it makes for good racing. Yeah, definitely. Now let's move on. Other thing that's come through this week has been some changes in some dates for the Super Motocross Series this year. They were originally going to be running all the way into October 14 for that final round at the LA Coliseum, and that was initially due to the fact that the stadium was going to be being used for college football on the earlier dates. But the season has changed and they've then able to move that date earlier like they would like to. They've always wanted to have this series now with these extra races all wrapped up by October because that October 1st date is when generally all the contracts in our sport switch over. So they end and then they start again. So they end on September 30. They start the new one on October 1st. So they've, they've always wanted to have that point still in the, in the sand as to where these contracts can be, give plenty of time for the riders to you know, start on new teams and have that two months or so before the start of the season in January. They've been able to change those dates. Football seasons move somehow. Uh, the stadium's available. They've actually compressed that they used. They were having two weeks between each of the rounds of this Super Motocross, those final three races. They're now going to be week after week after week, 
and they're going to be all done by September 23, which will be now the new date for the Oakland uh, for the Los Angeles Coliseum uh, event, which is great. The season's tighter and closer together, which makes it better for the riders, I think, and better for us. It's all you know, it's active from start to finish. The thing that I noticed, and I brought this up on a podcast when the calendars first came out a couple of months back now, I think it was, the World Supercross um, Series and the Super Motocross Series were overlapping a little bit, right? And they still do because the British Championship is still on when Red Bud's on. The French World Championship event is still on on when Washougal is on. But now the remaining, uh, what's that, one, two, three, four rounds are now after the Super Motocross season has finished. And I know it's 100% where Ken Roxon's going to be on October 14. Any guesses, Ben? Yeah, World Supercross in Germany. I There's would, no way he, he, he wasn't going to be there. He wasn't going to be there with that calendar being on, like that final round of Super Motocross being on then. But I guarantee you now he'll be making every effort to be at that World Supercross Championship in Germany. Uh, unless he's injured and can't be there, but he'd probably still be there, you know, as a as a spectator sort of thing. So, I just about guarantee you, Ken Roxon will be in Germany on October fourteen. Yeah, he's had the chance to run that number one plate um, in Germany in front of all fans that have probably never seen him race before. So, uh, yeah, there's no way that he wouldn't he wouldn't make it. Yeah, and, and like, unless, like you said, he was injured. Yeah, and even. Like, even if he doesn't do the whole series, because he might not do the British and the French rounds, I would say that he would end up using one of those wildcard rounds for the um, entries for the October, you know, for the German round just itself. So, and so, so that he could run that number one plate and so that he's still able to do that one race and not have to be able, not have to be committed to the whole series like you're supposed to be for the World Supercross teams format. So, yeah, I, I guarantee that was. That was something that Kenny went, oh yeah, when he saw that changes to the um to the to the calendar for Super Motocross. Yeah, I think he would have been really happy, and I mean, hopefully for us, he comes back here. Uh, there was a big big turnout for him in Melbourne last year, um, so yeah, I think it, it, hopefully he'll come back here and and race as well. But we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, well, it'll depend on how he's doing in that motocross series, I think, by the time he gets there. But he might um, – I would love to see him just dip out on those Red Bud and Washougal if he's not leading the championship. Go and do those World Supercross rounds so then he can do all the World Supercross rounds and then just still do the Super Motocross rounds around all of that. I would love to see him do that. That would be fantastic. But uh, – We'll have to wait and see what he actually decides when he gets closer to that. He's he's still got to get that Hep Suzuki a little bit uh, better in the setup, I think. But uh, he should be well and truly on top of that by the time this all this all happens in sort of the middle of the year. So we'll have to see. But yeah, he's <laughs> I'd be I'd almost put a lot of money down that he'll be in Germany on October fourteen. Anyway, enough chat with the new calendars. Good to see that they've made some adjustments there. But um, yeah, let's uh, let's keep rolling here. So. One thing I wanted to say uh, this week has been awesome for me. I've obviously been contacting riders for quite a number of years now trying to get injury updates from everybody. And this week was fantastic. Um, I had a lot of responses from the riders that I reached out to with great information and great support of what I've been doing. And I just wanted to say thank you to the to the riders generally out there that have been re- replying to us and responding to us. It's helping us get some more awareness out there, getting you guys on the, on the podcast, doing interviews. 
and just filling in some of those funny stories that happens when injuries occur. And, and you'll hear some of that when we talk to Scott Meshi later in the podcast that we the, with the pre-recorded interview. Um, but yeah, no, thank you to all the writers who've been replying uh, and providing information and even just saying that they want to be on the podcast, even though they're not injured, even though they just want to talk about training or their writing or something. So we, we're getting out there a bit further in the world, um, getting a bit more known, which is fantastic. And um, hopefully we can keep bringing some great content because of it. All right. Fantasy time, Benny. Always Moto Fantasy League on Pulp MX. Still time to sign up. We've got a couple of days until February. That's the cutoff. Uh, and we'll be, we will be shutting the league on February 1st so that the East Coast is when we start. Uh, f- nobody's entering from then on. Uh, and we'll be starting to announce some rounds with some random prizes in those positions, finishings for just those rounds. So we'll talk about that. Once the league is closed in about two weeks' time, we'll announce, start announcing those things. Again, we've got some really good surprises uh, from our fantastic sponsors. And just a reminder of those sponsors, they're Coastal Motorcycle Centre, Goat Brand MX, Thor Motocross Australia, Michelin Australia, Ringmaster Images and Helltech Australia. Uh, and if you're keeping up with our Instagram posts, you'll see that we're doing a sponsor appreciation post once a week. Uh, and please... For the, if you're in the league, you need to be following those pages. You also need to have emailed fantasy at alwaysmoto.com uh, your Instagram and your Pulp usernames to that email so that we know who you are to be eligible for prizes. Now, we're up to 107 players in the league. It would be awesome if we got that over 110 before we close. So pass it around to your mates uh, and get them in the league as well. Password is injury in lowercase. And we've got the contractor on the on the job at the moment. He's got a new task this week. He's uh, created a tickety dock, a TikTok account for us here at Always Moto. Want to let us in on what we're doing there, Benny? Yeah, so um, we had a little chat about it, and uh, we've mucked around with it a little bit, and we got the TikTok going. Um, so it's going to have the snippets that you post on YouTube and Instagram and whatever else um, showing what's ahead for the podcast the week coming Um, and obviously if we go to some races or stuff like that we'll use it post some videos up Um, and if we um, happen to see something on the races on the weekend we might post it and ask people for their thoughts so yeah, it's always moto on TikTok. Uh, give us a follow, and yeah, like I said, if we post some videos uh, asking what people have thought, get on there and tell us what you think. Whether it's a takeout or, and like we talked about earlier, hopefully there's some good racing and some maybe some takeouts this weekend. Uh, we might post some videos and yeah, get everyone's thoughts on it and let people engage a little bit more with the with the podcast. All right, so that's TikTok. So always moto on TikTok, yes? Yep, that's right. All right, I'm hoping we don't end up making too many crazy videos about us banging our heads against the wall for Fantasy League, but that would be not ideal. No, I don't want anyone to see me while Fantasy's on unless (laughs) I'm topping the league. So it'll just be, yeah. I was disappointed, actually. I thought, uh, talking of TikTok and social stuff, I was disappointed. I didn't get the, quite the response I was hoping for when I put up the, the who the fuck is Alice Doris, you know, um, post on the weekend when Doris popped up on the screen again. But uh, anyway, maybe people missed it. Hopefully they can find it. I'm sure it'll be again this weekend. 
I actually had to laugh because Sunday morning, I think qualifying was on and my neighbour was out cleaning his car and what song do you think started playing as I was still mucking around trying to get the stream to work. Oh, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Oh, <laughs> and, wow. and, I, and I showed you Doris was sitting on the sitting at the table with um Yeah, with Blair and Dan and, Hubbard. Yeah, we posted that yeah. one up. Yeah, that was a Doris is just intruding now into Supercross. I don't understand why she wants to be a part of it so bad. Yeah, so yeah, no, I had to laugh at yeah, he was playing that song while I was trying to get the bloody thing to work. He so. must be a listener, uh, he must have known it was Supercross time and he heard the podcast, he must know what's going on. It's an inside joke now, mate. Yeah, that's if he's, right. If he's playing it again to, on Sunday morning this week, you know he's been listening. Yeah. Uh, all right, so how? what was your score from San Diego, mate? Uh, I got 205, so... It could have been a lot better. Uh, it could have been a lot worse. Um, <laughs> you got saved with so, both first lap, first of the finish line uh, guys there, mate. I don't know how you pulled that off, but you pulled off both. Yeah, so like I said last week, I'll always pick Jet until he shows me otherwise. And first of the finish line on a long lap like that, you just you can't not. And he nailed the start. And I was watching and I was just, you know, watching AC and qualifying and I just thought, I just had a feeling and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to pull it, pull the trigger and he pulled the trigger and led a few laps, which was good. So, um, yeah, got me, they both got me Jet and AC, got me 15 points each. Mm, Nice, yep. So I got 224, so I got the dub for the week over the two of us, which was awesome. They put me in 18th. Uh, for the round, um, and we had a decent first, like first place winner, Ratmo, four twenty, got two forty three. So I had a decent round there. Nice work to a couple of girls. Um, as a uh, TLA, I can't remember her first name off the top of my head. It's Trish Tralee or something. Um, she got second with two thirty nine, and Mackenzie Tricker, um, the pro rider in America doing GNCCs and whatnot, she got third with two oh equal second with uh, two thirty nine as well. So the girls up there taking the top two, uh, two spots on the podium, which was nice. Hayden Wolf in fourth. Who else we got here? Scroll down. Ah, oh, Phil Zub, one of our podium positions from last year for the overall, got thirteenth for the round. Pretty good. There's a bit of a turn up. We actually had uh, our um, our mate. Pulp 275, who used to be false neutral. He got a decent round this time. He made up for last last week. Uh, and who else? Ah, well, look, Clinton Fowler finally had a bit of a rough round. He only got 211. He was down in 44th. Uh, who else we got here? Let's scroll through a bit further, see if there's anybody else worth noting here. Oh, there you are in 51st, mate. Not nice, nice overall position for you. Uh, yeah, and you know, you know what? I was, I was pretty unlucky. Like I had K... And I changed my team that many times up until the lockout. And I picked Cade. I thought we're on. And he nearly was on. And then he went flying into the Pulver Max nets. Yeah. So. Yeah. Only just got uh, the bike got most of it. He almost missed most of the net. Did you notice that? He went side off the, off the side of it pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah. My Thursday team would have had me in the top 10. 
and I've changed it. So Thursday team is the way to go. Uh, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Anyway. But so overall, Ratmo with that win at last round has popped himself into the lead for the overall as well on 508 points. He's got a nice gap already. He's got 28 points on second place, uh, which is Dillaway. Phil Zubbs up there in fourth. Caden Wolf, mate, doing pretty good in fifth. Uh, who else? Clinton's in 14th. I'm in 14th, equal 14th as well with uh, Clinton Fowler. Going to have to keep an eye on that one. Uh, where are you? You're in 23rd. Benny, uh, which is yeah, okay. So, so we, we pretty much switched spots this week because you yes. were down there and I was up where you were. And But uh, look at poor Pagey down there in 28th. Had a ripper first weekend and then learnt the harsh reality that is Pulper Max Fantasy um, this week. And, <laughs> Mate, I'm not yeah. sure you can rip him this week just because he gave you the login details last week. I'm not sure that's fair. No, no, I'm just saying. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just the way it goes. You know, and he was he was unlucky. He had Derek Drake, who didn't even get in. Oh um, yeah, yeah, the injury he had, there. Yeah, so. yeah, he, yeah, had the crash. So yeah, yeah that's that's Pulpmax fantasy. It is, but it was good good on the Sunday as well for me. I had a couple more of the listeners chiming in uh, with some questions about fantasy and just some general you know shit talk, which was awesome. Um, had Craig Prattley, which is Sprats thirteen. We had Andrew Usage. And Ben Langford getting involved uh, with with us here on the uh, Instagram chat, uh, and just talking talking general crap about the fantasy. It was awesome checking in with scores and stuff. So keep it up, guys. If you want to have a chat about the fantasy league with myself or with Benny, uh, you can find us on the social channels there. Mine is always the Always Moto page there on Instagram. Uh, you can email Benny at the contract at alwaysmoto.com or you can find him on Instagram at grino G-R-I-N-O-2-2. Uh, and you can will happily reply and talk about our fantasy league teams until you beat us. <laughs> yeah. And just um just you just said that um Ben Langford messaged you. He's actually a mate of mine that I dragged across to fantasy. I oh, think nice. His first year. This is his first year too. So he lives in town here with uh, near me, and um, yeah, I've dragged him across. And yeah, that's good to see that he's. Oh yeah, he's, into, he's, he gave me, sent me a few messages and stuff. So that was awesome. So now good to see. Um, now you've added something in here, Motor World TV. What's going on? So for the people, and this is. This is the login that Pagey gave me so I could actually watch. Um, Motor World TV was uh, not an official website, I guess. Like but pirates, you could go yeah. On there. Yeah, you can go on and watch Supercross, Motocross, like everything, uh, GPs. Um, and the website's gone. So everyone who's paid money uh, has now, I think, lost their money. And you can no longer watch it on there unless they've they're just doing something to the website. But I feel like uh, Feld and that have probably tried to track it down, and yeah, they've shut this website down. They might so, have, but I have heard in the past that that's disappeared as well for you know a short period of time, and then it pops up again under a slightly different ad website address. But your details are all still in there, so. Maybe it's like that again. Maybe it's actually been completely crunched this time. Who knows? Yeah, so just a, just a warning for anyone who just goes to log in on Sunday morning and goes, oh, what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, yeah, this, this is your warning. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's, no, not, no it's not there at the moment. Yeah. No. 
Uh, all good. Well, now let's talk about our teams for this week. Now, there's not too much I really want to talk about this week because of the Triple Crown format. It doesn't really worry about what your team is on a Thursday. No, it doesn't. And you won't really know what your team will be till after qualifying. Yeah, because the reason uh, we say that is because you will know who's qualified for the round for the, the three main events before lockout. So you can actually go and pick your team and know that you're going to be qualified in that. Um, you just have to filter by the qualifying results and you can pick from that. So uh, it's much easier to get eight is great this week. And if anyone doesn't have eight is great, you're an idiot or you've slept in or you've just gone and gone to a wedding and forgot your phone or something. I don't know. But yeah, you all should have eight is great this week. Yes, no one should miss it, but it happens every year. People miss these triple, miss triple crowns. They don't pay attention. They always miss eight when they shouldn't. Um, but, yeah, and everyone will look and go, oh, you know, this person's in, this person's in, and they're all a high handicap. Sometimes it's not the way to go. Um, you can – and they've cut it down this year, so normally people that would be like 16 – handicaps and stuff like that you could just fill your team with 16s but this this year they've cut it down and most of the higher ones are 11 but just filling your team with 10s and 11s and your all-star is yeah it's not always the way to go no a guy who finishes you know 19th every week is still going to finish 19th at a triple crown so it's uh not exactly just because the high handicap he's still only going to get just into the 10 so it's uh, yeah, it doesn't necessarily work. So you still need to play a bit smart and pick something that's actually going to get you a finishing position that they will get double points for. So keep an eye on it. We're not going to run through teams at this point because I don't think it's worth it. Like I said, everybody's going to be able to pick the eight that are in the mains. Um, but we will still be putting up those teams once we do pick those um, and we'll be sharing them on Instagram. And using the hashtag, the Always Moto Fantasy League. And we want you to do that as well at home there, listeners. Share it, share your team, tag the Always Moto Fantasy League. And that's how we're tracking who's putting it up the most for the prize at the end of the season uh, for the person who puts up, shares their team the most across the season. So there's a prize in it for you. So make sure you do it. Uh, anything else to add on fantasy, Benny? Uh, so if... You do want to pick an FFL this week. You've got three chances at getting it. So usually on a week where you've got one point, um, one chance, you've got three. So good point. Usually a triple crown is the place to pick a FFL. Yep. And just a reminder that when the same guy goes whole shot, whole shot, whole shot, and your guy didn't get one, you still don't get any points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you don't, pick, I'm, I'm assuming most people are going to pick Jet. Uh, for 250 but if Jet gets all three and you've picked RJ, you don't get one, so still missed out. Yeah, but, and yeah, you, you, you still get that three three tries. You get some extra and, chances, uh, yep, yep, yep. Anyway, see how it goes. See if you want to risk the seven points or the 15 for the, you know, for the extra win there if you take the FFL, but, yeah, all good. All right, let's wrap up on the fantasy. So once again, thanks to the sponsors, Coastal Motorcycle Centre, Goat Brand MX, Thor Motocross Australia, Michelin Australia, Ringmaster Images, and Helltech Australia. Let's take a break on the show here, and we'll be back shortly. Hey, this is Caden Amrine, riding for 
Monster Energy, Lucas Oil, KTM, Team Tata Racing, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right, we are back, ready to go, guys and girls, with some more of the Always Moto Podcast. Let's get into this emergency list, uh, emergency department list, ready for Anaheim 2. The emergency department. All the injuries, all the gory details, and when they'll be back on track. It's the list you really don't want to be on. You do not want to be on this list, and it's still too early in the season to be on this list. And the one person who's joined it before they've even had a race because they're doing East Coast, Seth Hammaker. Unfortunately, Seth Hammaker has jumped online, uh, jumped on the list. He's uh, had an injury pr- uh, during the season or uh, pre-season already here. He's had surgery. He's had a wrist injury as per the race uh, Kawasaki update that's come out over the social media uh, today, I believe it was. Uh, so any any wrist injury that's had a surgery, we don't have the specific details of what bone or whatever he's injured in there, but he's at least out for six weeks. So that means that he's not going to be back. He's going to miss all of this East Coast beginning series. He might be back for the second part of it. Uh, it should be enough weeks there for him to be back for Atlanta. And I would hope that he tries to get back for something uh, in the Supercross series so that he's eligible for those Super Motocross rounds at the end of the season there. So, yeah, unfortunate news there for Seth Hammaker and the Pro Circuit guys. That's just another guy on the injury list already um, and not much racing for either of those guys either that have been on at Austin and, and Seth now. Levi Kitchen, uh, that injury there at the took him out off the start of the main event there in San Diego. Uh, left shoulder and arm, but reports from Levi this week on his social that he's sore but okay and will be racing Anaheim too. Derek Drake from the Barak Suzuki team crashed in San Diego. Um, unfortunately has a fracture to his left humeral neck, which is the, the part that goes across the shoulder of your upper arm bone. Uh, and he has had surgery or pending surgery. He will be out for six to eight weeks. He may try to be back for the um, West Coast rounds when they start back up in late March, but we'll have to wait and see how that recovery from the surgery goes for him. No updates on Mitchell Harrison at this stage after his crash at the start there as well with the um, – with on the 250s with a few guys there, Levi and Wilson Todd and that. Um, so not much information there from Mitchell Harrison and that AGE gas gas bike. Colby Cop, we've been in touch with him this week. Uh, he's from that team Next Level Racing. He was the reason for that red flag in the heat race of the 250. He had a concussion. We've been in touch with him. He is uh, hoping to be able to pass the AMA concussion protocols and be back for this week. The AMA concussion protocol has a return to ride system built into it that can be completed in six days. And each stage has a different level of physical activity requirement to do. And each stage takes a day to do before you can progress to the next stage. There's been a few people on social media I've seen asking how the hell is Colby already doing a gym workout? That's because that's part of the protocol. He has to be able to do certain amounts of physical activity on certain days in the first few days of the week and at a certain heart rate that's all controlled by this protocol. Uh, And if he can pass that, he can progress to the next one. So by day, I think it's four, day uh, day four or five. I can't remember exactly the protocol. I'll have to double check that one. But by those days, he's actually able to start riding again. So he will be have a final clearance, which is the impact test um, and a a physical by the uh, Alpine Stars medical crew there on the race morning as their final tick to pass the concussion protocol. And if he gets that final tick, he'll be ready to go for Anaheim too. 
Worst case, he doesn't pass it this week. He'll be ready to go by the time the next uh, West Coast race kicks off uh, later, or it'll be an East-West, I believe it would be, um, partway through the season. Oh, no, it'll be a West Coast. I'm just looking at the calendar as we're talking here and, and stuffing all that up. Anyway, so that's how Colby Cop has got to that point where he's already in the gym and training. Chatted to Henry Miller this week from the Tyloop Honda. Um, had some minor cuts and bruises along with some neck and upper torso stiffness, but no major injuries for Henry which is great news. He's been doing a few 450 rounds to get ready for the East Coast 250s. That's his main focus. He is planning on being at Anaheim too and having a drama-free race so that he can go into that East Coast rounds uh, in a week and a bit's time now, uh, fully fit and healthy, which would be awesome. Max Miller, if anyone was watching Race Day Live, everyone saw him have the nutties on the tank uh, or it was actually this handlebar uh, and then check his nuts when he got off the track to make sure they're all intact. He is A-OK. It was just one of those unfortunate moments that any male out there who's been hitting the nuts with a ball of some description or kicked or whatever, it hurts at the time, but it fades reasonably quickly. There's no long-standing injuries. Max confirmed that with me this week. He's all fine. Just an untimely handlebar to the family jewels. So he will be at Anaheim too. Everything's in working order as he reports to me. Marvin Muskan, um, just a quick update. Still no more details that I've seen for Marvin and that wrist injury before San Diego. So no, no more info there on him. And just a reminder, Austin Faulkner's out. Um, Wilson Todd took another uh, fall there um, at the start of the race and got a thumb laceration, but he managed to ride through with some tape and some glue. I dare say he'll be all fine for Anaheim too. Um, David Pulley has announced that he's going to be doing he's switching to East Coast because he didn't actually get to the night show for the West Coast there at Anaheim 1 from his concussion. So he'll be switching to the East Coast, which will start in a week and a bit. McClellan Heil missed this week. He was meant to be back at San Diego, but he wasn't quite ready. Um, but he's indicated to us that he's going to be at Anaheim too. He just had a bit of ongoing back soreness that kept him out from uh, from San Diego that last week. Lewis Macias still recovering from those rib fractures. Ryder D still out. He'll be out for a little while. He had that avulsion fracture to the thumb and he had surgery already. You'll hear from Scott Meshi here in a minute on the Always Moto podcast. He's our check-in, so I won't give away too much of those details for him, but he is out until about round seven or eight, which will be Arlington or Daytona. Justin Rodbell's out for the season with that Achilles tear. Brandon Hartraff also out for the season with that back injury. Carson Mumford is back on the bike after that nasty uh, left radius fracture, back with now Pro Circuit Kawasaki. Uh, and he will be. He may be actually starting the East Coast now that uh, Seth Hamaker has been injured. Kyle Greeson, we chatted to him last week on the Pulp Show, on the Pulp Show, on the uh, Always Moto podcast. I've been thinking about listening to Pulp all this week and I haven't got to it yet. I had my surgery and I missed out on doing it. I've got to find time for it just yet. Uh, it's on the brain. Kyle Greeson, uh, he's he's out with that L five L three burst fracture, and no details on Vince Freeze other than what we had that he was in a moon boot at A one. Um, Still need a call back from Tony Alessi. I haven't got any contact with him, but I've got a feeling he's going to be on a race on the track at East Coast kickoff here at Houston on February 4th. All right, that's the emergency department for this week. Let's take a break and we'll be back with the interview with Scott Meshi. Hi there, my name is Eldon Baker and I'm from the Baker's Factory and you're listening to Always Motor. 
All right, joining us now on the Always Moto podcast, he had an unfortunate uh, start to the season. It was very short for him at A1 there, but uh, he's joining us now with some time here on the Always Moto podcast. He's from the HBI Team Next Level Racing, Husqvarna. He's number 411. It's Scott Meshi. How are we doing, Scott? I'm doing all right. about yourself? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, not the way you wanted to start 2023 in terms of uh, the racing for yourself, but uh, it's only a minor setback at, at this stage, I would say, compared to some of the injuries that we get to see. Um, how's things been going for you with this uh, hand fracture that you've managed to get yourself at A1? Uh, well, I will tell you. Uh, so I actually got the, the hand fracture after A1. Oh, right. Um, really? Okay. During, yeah, during practice. Um, yeah, I just you know, just came up short in a rhythm, um, you know, literally just a triple in that I've done probably at least a hundred times and, um, you know, just came up short on it. Just didn't quite get the drive that I was expecting and came up short. And, um, when I, when I, uh, landed, it kind of shifted my weight forward and my, my, uh, I kind of shifted forward and my chest hit my hand. Um, and I literally had bruising on my chest from where I hit and it, and it, uh, yeah, it, fractured the second and third uh or i'm sorry the third and fourth uh metacarpal in my right hand but um and uh i also tore like a like a like a really 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 small like minor tear in, in one of the ligaments in my thumb i forget what they called it um but it's going it's going good um i will say that my cast has loosened uh a lot um the the swelling <laughs> The swelling was gnarly. I looked like I had a tennis ball in my hand. Awesome. Um, but but I immediately started doing cryotherapy to help bring down that that swelling, and it and it's helped a lot. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So that as that the the cold therapy there obviously it's useful useful for swelling, but it's been effective. Even by the sounds of it, if the cast is getting loose, that's a good sign. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been getting looser and, and, you know, what's good is the, uh, you know, the, the pain, the pain has been very minimal. I mean, I, I really haven't had much pain. Um, you know, just kind of what was a good bit of achiness for the first week. Um, at this point I don't really run into that. Um, you know, obviously I, I haven't really had any significant pain since the initial hit. And then when I went to the hospital and they gave me a shot of Toradol and that, that pretty much, um, Got you covered you it know, up to an <laughs> Yeah, that listen took the edge off really nicely. Yeah, um, so, 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 did you just literally squish the hand between your chest and the bars? Is that what you've done there? Yeah, yeah, no, that was that was it. Um, I didn't, I didn't even detach from the bike. Um, I didn't crash. I just shifted forward, and I, I guess that my bars must have turned towards me. Um, and I like leaned forward and it just connected really hard. Um, and somehow managed while having fractured bones in my hands to squeeze the front brake. So I didn't like whiskey off the next jump. <laughs> well, that probably saved and, some other issues for you down the track too. If, if you had have whiskeyed off that, who knows what you would have done? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, yeah, I, I, it was literally, I mean, it was instant and, you know, I, I knew instantly that I, that I fractured something. And I, 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 like I said, didn't crash. I didn't stop. I pulled in the clutch and I kind of rode off the side of the track and I rode right up to my girlfriend who caught my bike. <laughs> and I told her that we need to go to the hospital because I broke my hand. 
and uh <laughs> she was she was nice enough to 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 ride it back and and Kyle Chisholm being the the gentleman that he is let me ride on the back of his bike and and uh you know took took us uh took us to the vehicle so we, we could go to the hospital <laughs> isn't it uh isn't it amazing that like us dirt bike riders and I've had a few breaks myself recently in bones but you basically as soon as you break something you just know like you, you said there like you wrote yep. up and said I've just got to go to hospital got a broken hand you, you knew straight away that it was a break without even getting the x-ray it's just it's like it's yeah. something inbuilt that we've had this experience one too many times I guess yeah, and especially especially like, you know, even before that a couple of weeks ago with the AC joint separation, like, you know, I you've you know that difference between a muscle or a ligament, you know, damage or tear versus a broken bone. I mean, it, there's there's no denying it. When it happens, you know, you know what that's like. Um and it cuz it was funny though cuz I walked in the hospital and I and the guy was like, well, what's going on? I'm like, I broke my hand. And he's like, really? And I said, yeah. And he's like, you're sure? And I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, and like, I'm like, I really can't, I really can't talk much. I'm in a lot of pain right now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, of course they went back x-ray and that's that. <laughs> yeah. You just know at that point, don't you? So what, um, what have we been doing? Obviously you said like the cast and the cryotherapy for treatment wise, what what's the plan tra- training wise have you been able to do much in this last few weeks in terms of you know mo- modifying the activities obviously you're not riding at the moment with the cast on that'd be a bit difficult especially on the throttle hand but right. it, what are we doing training wise are we are we getting some things in still to get you know keep that fit- fitness up yeah absolutely one thing that i will say that i i mean obviously injuries suck but something that i'm thankful for is that i don't have a lower body injury because when you have lower body injuries, cardio becomes really hard to do. Um, and that's something that I definitely don't want to lose. Um, cause that's something I dealt with a lot last year cause I fractured or I stress fractured the bottom of my tibia. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, yeah. So that wasn't fun. Um, but, but I've been able to, I've been, I've, I like to run. Um, so I've been able to keep up on, on running um and doing some doing a bit of cycling on stationary bike Mm -hmm. um you know i i've tried what sucks is obviously i can't do like a lot of upper body stuff um anything that puts pressure on the hand yeah you can't i can't quite do just yet but you know i'm using bands and i'm basically wrapping the band around my wrist or something like that that's not putting too much pressure on my Mm -hmm. hand um you know it's where it's not stressing my hand and um, you know, doing upper body stuff that way, um, rather than things that rely on obviously grip, um, because my cast goes all the way up past my knuckles. Um, so, um, you know, it goes up halfway up my fingers and my, uh, my thumb is cast. So you too. can't really grip on uh, too much there cause you won't have the flexion ability to sort of go around that cast. Will you? No, I don't have, I don't really have much much ability to grip onto things yeah. um needless to say playing call of duty is very difficult right now <laughs> you but didn't you I, didn't take I've, in the controller with you so they could mold the cast around the controller so you could hold on to it i've heard of guys doing that sort of stuff before you know <laughs> listen if i want to do that i'll do it at home but <laughs> i you know at the, at the moment i didn't i really wasn't too focused on that but uh <laughs> 
but but you know the uh but yeah as far as as far as the recovery goes um you know i'm trying to keep things very similar um you know i'm just kind of a little limited on some of the upper body things um obviously my my left arm is not limited um and with that recent ac joint separation i'm, I'm having to build up a bit of strength in my left shoulder anyway specifically mm-hmm. um so that's you know something that i've been working on but um i actually got a bone stimulator um an exogen bone stimulator oh, yeah. um and yep you can actually rent those i know that a lot of people get stuck buying them but you can rent them um and i was able to rent one and um i actually heard that from a couple different riders um and they said that it made their their fractures heal really really quick and obviously i don't feel like being out for longer than i need to be so um i i made sure to to get myself uh one rented um so we kind of we kind of at home cut out a nice hole in the middle of the of the cast and the top of the cast and um you know for where that node goes down and through and so i've been uh i've been using the bone stimulator um you know i when i've been able to do the localized cryotherapy because um you know obviously i can still do whole body but it's you know it's not as targeted um yeah um so um one thing that i am trying to do this week is uh red light therapy Oh, okay. Um, you, you're you're going right into the depths of the uh, special treatments category that we would normally ask about. So yeah, this is this is interesting. So how what what when when's the red therapy going to start? You said this week. Uh, uh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start on the red light therapy. Um, honestly, I true. I mean, I really truly believe. Um, you know, even for doing whole body cryotherapy, just the ability to. Um, you know, basically force, uh, you know, detoxifying blood mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, obviously re, you know, reoxygenating blood, you know, the more, you know, oxygen rich you can have your blood, the better, um, you know, and obviously it's not a bad thing to be able to keep, keep up on the cardio and keep up on the workouts. Um, and, you know, very thankfully, I also have a, a set of the, uh, the TheraBody, um, like the compression legs oh, yeah. for, uh, for, you know, that I would, that I normally use to, you know, help make sure that I am, you know, keeping my legs, you know, nice and, and strong and, and recovered. Um, so, and I, I would like to see about getting into a hyperbaric chamber. Um, I've not used one yet. Um, I don't, I, uh, I don't really have experience with it yet. Um, I've, I've been told by a, by a few, um, that it's, that it can be pretty useful. Um, you know, even not, even if, even if it doesn't help my hand too much, um, you know, to help the shoulder, um, you know, um, when you've got a couple of things so, going on there, it would be useful just from both aspects, you know, like you said, it wouldn't necessarily specifically target one or the other, but it would be useful for you. So yeah, something you got to try and find locally is the hard part as to, as to how you get into it. And I did, I did see, um, Austin Faulkner a day or so after his surgery this week for his ACL, um, he was already in one using it. So yeah, they're, they're around. It's just obviously, can you get access to it quickly for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and thankfully there's, there's a, you know, restore, uh, the, in, here in America, we have, uh, uh, restore hyper wellness is a bit of like a, it's like a franchise and they have, they have stuff like that. Oh, nice. Um, okay. yeah, so they're pretty, they're pretty decently available here. 
um, you know, in, in case you don't have your own, which I know that some riders do have their own hyperbaric chambers. Yeah, it's a, not exactly the easiest thing to just, you know, lob into the lounge room and uh, <laughs> keep running yeah. and everything. So yeah. it's yeah. easier if you can just go down to the local, you know, corner store and there you go. I'll hop in it there. Thank you very much. So, yeah, there's, uh, there's exactly. p- positives and minuses from all that stuff. So what all of this stuff going on, obviously you're doing everything you can by the sounds of it to be making this this fracture recover. What time frame did they give you at the hospital and what time frame are you actually aiming for to be back on the bike? Um, well, I will say it seemed very like, you know, initially, because initially I went to, you know, just a general ER just yep. to, you know, be seen quickly. Um, and then after that, I went to um, an orthopedic walk-in. Um, and the, you know, initially they were saying that they were pretty set on about six weeks um, just because the, because the bones were fractured side by side. Yes. Um, and, um, you know, they were concerned with the stability of the hand. Um, and when I went, but when I went to the, uh, the orthopedic, um, you know, they said no surgery, no, nothing like that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, obviously the, you know, the, the very minor tear in, in my thumb is, is, you know, going to heal in, in, in three to four weeks, they said. Um, and you know, but they're, they felt pretty positive, um, to push more along the four to five week mark. Um, I, I was supposed to, I'm supposed to go back, uh, I'm trying to think at this point, it's like two ish, two and a half ish weeks or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, to, uh, you know, get x-rayed again to see, and they were like, yeah, well, you know, we'll cut this one on and potentially put you in another one. And I'm thinking to myself, no, and, and, in those three weeks, I will be cutting the cast on cast off and it will be staying off. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's plenty I, of I, things you can do once they take the cast off, you can just get a removable thing if they want to put you in something to stabilize it, but you don't need another cast put back on. Plus, you know, whoever cut that hole in for you for the, the exogen, uh, probably doesn't want to have to do that again. Uh, no, no. And honestly, I will, listen, I will tell you at home, it's a very tedious process. It's very, very tedious. I'm curious because so, I've cut plenty of casts off in my time as a physio, but what did you guys use at home to cut the hole in and how neat is this hole? Um, okay. Listen, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> is this a bit of a bodge job? <laughs> no, no, it's pretty neat. Oh, it's nice. pretty okay. neat. Yep. Go on. I'll have to say, I'll have to send you a picture on Instagram. It's sure. pretty neat. Um, it's pretty neatly done. Um, but we actually had, um, we had used like a Dremel mm-hmm. and um, put like a diamond bit on the end and just kind of uh, outlined like how big we needed the circle to be. Yep. Um, and then we kind of, after we outlined the circle, we used uh, like a cutting wheel to kind of cut like a cross into the middle of it. Yep. Um, and then after that, we you shoot i don't even know how to explain these but they're basically like uh like cutting pliers but they're all like they're oh, insanely like a, like a tin, insane like a tin snip sort of with a curve um tip on them so they'll go around yeah. in a circle yeah yes and um after after that um i will i will admit we did have have one brief moment of when we were uh when we were kind of using the um uh the dremel uh for a second it it just barely because i i the swelling had gone down enough that i could literally shove 
um, like a like a piece of rubber down into the uh, into the cast to where the hole would be approximately. That, that was to my protect next, me. That was my next question. Did you actually shove something yeah. in there to protect the skin? Because people forget that aspect. Yeah. we always shove a, a yeah. it's like a plastic strip that we would th- throw in there to to land the, the the cutting saw onto rather than straight onto the skin. So yeah, you you have done some <laughs> steps here to protect yourself. Yep, yep. And I will say it caught the. Uh, I don't really know what like it caught the padding like mm. that white padding yep and it's i felt it pull and it scared the crap out of me <laughs> and i like pulled my hand back super fast <laughs> and uh but no but other than that i mean really no problems and then we uh we took like a like a like a sanding piece um oh, yeah, to just and to then clean up the edges of it yep yep and it's pretty clean and the 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 exogen piece fits right down in and it kind of fits it's not loose in there. Like you, you, you kind of press it in and it's, it's in there. Um, so it's pretty, it's pretty well done. Um, I love the ingenuity. Yeah, I, Has any of the uh, medical team seen this yet? Or is this going to be the surprise for them when you go in in two or so weeks time? Um, well, <laughs> the, the thing is <laughs> they don't know about it, yeah. but that's not oh. really. I'm loving this section as a, as a health professional. I'm loving this because this is what I would do at home myself, but with a little bit of obviously a little bit of medical background in it. The fact that you're just doing yeah. it and and they don't know and they're gonna you're gonna walk in and show them this and they're all gonna have this this I can see the look on their face already because I, I I've been there <laughs> and I know what's gonna happen and they're just gonna be like, well, okay. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know what it is that they're going to do or say, you know, after the fact. But, you know, when when I was in there, I asked them about a bone stimulator because I had heard about how helpful they can be. And I asked them about it and they were like, well, depends with the insurance and this and that. And, you know, they were like, you know, talking and, you know, they were talking about like, oh, like, you know, we can install the port on the next cast. And I was like. You know, my, my girlfriend's with me and she's like, well, why not put it in right now? Yeah, exactly. You know, like if we can, if we can get it sooner, why not put it in now? And they were like, well, you don't know. And this and that. And I, I looked at it and I'm like, we'll just do it ourselves. And, and, uh, so they, I mean, I, I inquired and I asked them about putting the port in. So, you know, they can't give me funny looks for it now because i i said about putting it in yeah. that's what i'm that's what i'm gonna go with yeah you put it out there from the start so it's it's it's, it's full them sort of thing yeah stuff <laughs> can't help it you did it yeah that's awesome but no look yeah it's a good thing that you've made the efforts to make the recovery as quick as possible and you know you're not just sitting around going well they told me to put the cast on and be good in six weeks no you're you're there actively doing stuff which i think is the main thing and even a removal like i always tried to get uh, for any of my injuries and stuff i always try to get things that were removable because you could start doing you know passive exercises way sooner than they say you can because you know just because the cast is on that restricts everything but that then just delays your return or the recovery that you can you know the, the movement you can get back can happen sooner so it just it just kicks you in the right direction especially when you're an athlete they don't understand that aspect either for a lot of the medical people they don't realize that you're working on a very tight time schedule yeah absolutely and that's you know that's one thing that kind of sucks is is um you know i'm trying to minimize my downtime as much as i possibly can um but in turn you know unfortunately having the cast on you know I literally can't move my wrist yes. and I can't move my, 
So it's going to take me a good week or two, you know, of riding to make sure that obviously it's comfortable and that, you know, it, I can build up some strength, um, you know, which I wasn't, I wasn't really thrilled about, you know, I kind of had asked them like, is there any possible way that you can make it, you know, not go halfway up my, my forearm. And, you know, they were like, no, the, the fracture, you know, the fracture runs, you know, down the metacarpal too mm-hmm. much, too close to your wrist. You know, you're, you know, you're lucky that the, that the bottom of the bone where, um, you know, I guess where it's making contact with other bones, um, you know, isn't fractured, but it goes down pretty far. So we have to stabilize it. And yeah. I wasn't very thrilled to hear that. Um, you know, I, I, you know, as you can, as you can tell, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm itching to get out of this thing. I mean, I haven't even had, I haven't even had it on a week and I'm literally ready to cut the thing off completely. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised you know, you've made it this far, mate, from what you've done already. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not, I'm, I, I don't like casts. I never have. Um, you know, I was really, really upset at the idea because I had to wait like two days for them to, to put me in a cast. Um, I was really, really upset at the idea of having to put a cast on and especially having to wait. You know, I was just like, you know, why can't I just keep the splint that they gave me and just wrap the ace bandage super tight and just leave it and then be able to take it off when I wanted. Um, But they weren't really uh, they weren't willing to work with me on that, Mm. Um, you know. And I get, I get that it's, I get that it's necessary. Um, you know, I understand that it's a part of the, of the healing process, but you know, I don't really think that any, any true racer likes to sit around and wait. Um, you know, especially at the start of the season, you know, it's, it's, you know, I've, I've went into the season feeling so good, you know, better than I've ever felt in Supercross. um, and making the transition onto a 450 in the 450 class was the best thing that I've ever done. And I was feeling so incredible. Um, and, you know, obviously to, to deal with, you know, the, the AC joint separation, um, you know, three weeks before Anaheim won and not being able to ride. And then, you know, coming back after A1 and getting, you know, my second day back riding and starting to really feel like myself and to do this was so frustrating. Um, so it's, it's, uh, you know, but it's, I guess it's, it's a part of it. You know, the, the best thing I can do is just try to push that time. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of, uh, you know, just depends on what the, I'll, I'll say that I'll, I'll stick to what the x-ray say, you know, whatever the x-ray says, um, you know, if, yeah. you know, when I go in in two weeks and, and if the x-ray says it's good, then I will go from there. And, you know, we'll, we'll do what I need to do to get things back to where they need to be. Um, you know, I would say, you know, comfortably latest that I would do would be back at Arlington. Um, you know, I really, I really wish that I was back sooner. Um, but I just feel like it's, you know, it's, it's good to make sure that I have, you know, at least a little bit of time to make sure that, you know, I get back comfortable on the bike and to make sure that the, that my body is good to be racing. Yeah, you've you've hit the nail on the head with a couple of things in that last last few comments there. But like the X ray is your guide, you know, for whether it's ready or not. Like if you can still see the lines in it, you know, where the fractures were, she's not good to go, you know. And it doesn't matter whether that's four weeks, six weeks, or thirty six weeks. It it doesn't matter. But if it's if it's looking healed, it's good to go. But I would suggest too that all those things that you've mentioned there about the cryotherapy and the bone stem, 
even for a couple of weeks post you being back on the bike, they would be worth still continuing just as a method to complete the strengthening of that bone because that bone still takes a, you know a good few more weeks afterwards to completely remodel itself and be solid again. Like it'll still have that fracture area as a weak point for a number of weeks past the point that it actually shows that it's healed on an x-ray. So yeah, something to uh, consider there as you still keep trying to race, you know, in a few weeks time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll be, uh, I'll be staying on top of it. Um, you know, that's, that's something that I, I make sure is, you know, obviously whenever I have, whenever I have a, an injury, I always try to make sure that it's addressed and that it's, you know, addressed properly and that it's strong. Um, you know, I will say that I will say that last year was a little bit of a, of a different story, you know, with the, with the tibia fracture, because it was diagnosed as a, as a sprained ankle for, um, like a good four weeks. And they put me in, uh, they put me in physical therapy, like literally the, probably two days after I did that. Um, you know, so it, you know, the bone never got a chance to heal. Um, you know, obviously I was doing whatever I thought I could do to, you know, make it better, but, um, you know, that only made it worse, but, you know, obviously in this case, you know, I've had the, I've had the x-ray, I've had the MRI, I'm going to make sure that I follow it up, you know, with another x-ray and make sure that things are where they need to be. Um, you know, as much as I want to cut this freaking cast off, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to, not going to do anything too drastic. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll be very happy to, get an x-ray of the bone showing that, that it's healed and i don't you know whether it's me cutting it off or a doctor cutting it off or whoever cuts it off and to be back at it but yeah absolutely i mean you know making sure that it's it's strong and making sure that you know you continue to treat it to make sure it's healed is uh something that i'll be you know really following up on yeah. um you know obviously i owe it to myself um you know obviously there's a life after racing so you know, I owe it to myself to make sure that things are strong and fully healed. And I owe it to my, you know, I owe it to my sponsors and the people that make, make what I do possible, um, obviously to be in the best condition that I can possibly be. Yeah. 100%. And, and speaking of those sponsors, have you got anyone that you want to, uh, thank for, for this season that haven't been able to get exposure yet? Oh man, I have a whole list for you. Go for it. Take the, uh, take the soapbox out, stand on it and yell them from the rooftop. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely well obviously you know you have to make sure that I, I give a huge thanks to my title sponsor for the year hbi racing um you know matt and and uh you know his whole team are, are just incredible people um the guys chris and and everybody at team next level racing um honestly an incredible incredible team um incredible group of people to work with i'm not sure if you guys saw um you know some of the the articles that were on nbc sports about them um just absolutely incredible people um, shot race gear, um, have stepped up really, uh, really big time this season. And, uh, you know, with their, you know, with their, uh, you know, their, their, their reintroduction, especially into the United States has been really, really awesome to, to be able to, you know, be with them for many years. And, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, when, when they are, uh, able to be full-time kicking back here in the States, um, Chris Johnson, real estate, nnnman.com. ETS Racing Fuels, Pirelli, uh, Olin's Adept Creative, uh, Race Tech Titanium, Ride Engineering, Works Connection, uh, Mica Metals, DT1 Filters, uh, Excel Rims, uh, Guts Racing, Matrix Concepts, uh, Get Shit Done, Coffee, uh, Hinson Racing, uh, Moto Menum, uh, Team EVS, uh, EVS Sports, 
uh, liquid IV, cracks, cryotherapy, uh, Steadfast, uh, Madcap Media, Redline Oil, Action Sports Canopies, Risk Racing, Panic Rev, Polar USA. Um, obviously, just thank you to everybody who makes what I do possible. No, awesome, man. And that's a good list of people there supporting you. They're all you know, awesome companies. And yes, that, that uh, Next Level Racing stuff, I've seen some of their setups, uh, some of the images they popped up, and they've got a pretty damn good setup going on this year. So good to be a part of that, that group for you uh, in 2023. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just, they're just incredible people. Um, and obviously, you know, you know, you're known by the company you keep and and you know that's that's something that I'm very proud to be a part of, and um, you know bringing you know bringing good you know good values to to the racing scene, um, you know you know bringing some parallels about you know how I feel that that racing should be uh, handled, and you know obviously their their message of faith, and um, you know just overall being you know good people, um, you know and racers just you know being good men. Um, you know, I, I really appreciate it. You know, I really appreciate who they are and, and what they bring to the table. Yeah. It makes all the difference, doesn't it? If you're comfortable on race day with the people that you're surrounded. So that's, that's awesome to hear that they're looking after you and you, and you're really happy with the setup there. But look, Scott, um, appreciate your time on the Always Moto podcast and giving us a rundown of where you're up to with this, uh, hand injury. Thank you for your time. Good luck with the rest of the recovery. Don't cut that cast off tomorrow. It probably needs a couple more weeks, yeah. <laughs> but thanks for your time, Scott. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, I, I, I hope that I don't have to come on here again soon for an injury related, but listen, I'm always, I'm always, uh, you know, down to, to, to talk and, and be a part of things, but, uh, thank you very, very much for having me. Yeah, no, all good. We don't want to have too many repeat guests too often, but we will have you back if we need to. <laughs> all good, Scott. Thanks mate. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks. I'm Brighton Carroll, riding for Team TCD, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right, guys and girls, we are back. Thanks for sticking around and listening to that great interview there with Scott Meshi. Awesome to chat to. Um, some pretty funny things there as well, and some ingenuity there as well. I like the uh, efforts with the with the cutting the cast to get the bone stem in there. It's uh, you got to have some of these ideas. Just because the doctors tell you that you know it's six weeks in a cast doesn't mean it has to be exactly as they say. And if you have a little bit of know how and a little bit of uh, other advice, and, and this is probably a good thing to bring up at this point as well, that just the general surgeons and the general doctors don't have that sport focus. And especially if you're some of these guys that we talk to here, they're professional athletes. They can't just sit around for six weeks doing nothing. They need to maintain fitness. They need to try and improve you know, in some way, somehow their physical performance. So, you know, things like a cast for six weeks really limits them. They need to have things like removable casts or or at least have the cast removed for a couple of uh, points in the day or shaped differently to allow them to make a fist or to do something in a different manner that helps them maintain some sort of ability to do some physical activity to keep their fitness and their strengths and all those sorts of things. So, it's advisable to go and see a sports physician or a physio that specializes in sport and athletic performance. So worth, worth checking that out if, if that ever happens to yourself down the track. But that's it for this show. Episode 44 is done. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. Don't forget to send those T-shirt orders in to alwaysmoto2019 at gmail.com. Soon we'll have the website up. It's alwaysmoto.com and you'll be able to order those shirts through there. But we'll get to that when we get to that. Uh, follow us on social media to stay up to date on all things injury in moto. Search Always Moto and then follow and subscribe. 
Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed. If your podcast app allows, please leave us a rating. We really need those ratings on that podcast, uh, on those apps, particularly Spotify. I know Spotify does it for sure. Please leave us a rating. I'm talking to you listening to us right now. Please jump on at the end of this and leave me a rating. Thank you very much. Don't forget to f- check out all our written articles over on fullnoise.com.au and soon also alwaysmoto.com. But that's it for another show. Thanks to Polar Australia. Thanks to Slantboard Guy for the show support. Thanks to the Fantasy League sponsors, Coastal Motorcycle Centre, Goat Brand MX, Thor MX Australia, Michelin Australia, Ringmaster Images, Helltech Australia. Thanks to the Always Moto Contractor. Thanks to my wife. Thanks to listening, guys and girls. Remember, you've got to be smoothly fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department, maybe even the clinic, having the strapping tape thrown wherever it sticks.